This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Right from my city, yeah, you know that's how I roll. Love from my people, yeah, you know that's how I flow. We excellent, excellent, we rockin', rockin', we rockin', driving, we driving, shining, we shining. Hello, wonderful people. Welcome to She's a Genius Podcast. Today, we are so happy to have with us the wonderful Paige Austin. She is doing incredible things. She is paving the way for female filmmakers and directors and all of those things in the art world, and we're going to get all into that. Welcome, Paige. Thank you for having me. We are excited that you are here, and the great work you're doing, and not only in the film world, but you are doing it right here where you are from, in your city, in your state. So before we get into all of that good juicy, can you please tell us who you are? Give us a synopsis of your story of where you've come from, and just who is Paige? Okay. Well, um, first I just want to say that um, I am happy to be here. And my name is Paige. I was born and raised in the city of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I've matriculated through a bunch of different places. Um, I went to David Ellis Academy first through eighth grade. Uh, I was like a little artist then where I did illustration and stuff like that. In my eighth grade year, this probably doesn't matter, (laughs) but... I won the art, uh, the NAACP Art and Essay Contest. Oh, wow. Um, they just had the NAACP award. Oh, really? So that's always incredible to mention. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, your it was, story. I was in eighth grade, and Mr. Hunter, um, he was Byron Hunter. Uh-huh. He was my um, art teacher, so he he helped me a lot with that project. Okay. Um, and then ninth, well, in high school, I went to Cass Tech. Um, CT. <laughs> uh, I told you I've been knowing her for a while. You guys, we just had a different, a gapping years. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. I went to Cass Tech ninth grade through the second semester of my eleventh grade year. Okay. Then my family moved to Clinton Township, and my mom transferred me to Lance Cruz, where I got a culture shock. No. <laughs> Oh, it okay. was way different um, than I had expected. Uh, it was my first time really going to school with, you know. Uh, People of a different nationality. Yeah. And so uh, that was my high school years. I was a part of the Citywide Poets. Um, I also was a part of Youthville, Detroit. Um, I where Youthville. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was in their um, digital media arts and technology program their video production uh, class where I learned how to pretty much do what I do now. Really? Which is, they taught me how to edit. They taught me how to shoot. Um, we had a project. It was a, it was a, um, what do you call it? Uh, 1-800-SPEAK-UP project. They came to Youthville and they said, hey, we got this, uh, this promo that we want you guys to do. So they split us up in groups and 
we did the promo and my group um actually had we won the like competition or whatever so they put our our promo on tv and so big stuff yeah it was airing for a very long time and i was in it and it's really embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) you guys youtube that look it up look it up youtube that (laughs) (laughs) um and so that was my high school years uh i went on to western michigan university uh, where I studied film, video, and media studies. Um, there's That was the first time where I really got into kind of like my freelance work with videography and photography. Um, I started doing like some of the on-campus events, and I got my first camera, my first like digital, my first, um, my first camera when I was, what was it, my... I was going to say 10th grade, but clearly not 10th grade, <laughs> uh, my sophomore year. Okay. And so uh, that's when I started doing In like- college. All, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's when I started doing all the events for the MPHC. And yeah, it was, that's pretty much how I broke into doing what I wanted to do. Um, but since I was 16 at Youthville, that's what, that's what really got me into filmmaking. Um, that's what really made me say like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this because I loved it so much. And I even got the opportunity to, once I came from college, um, I got the opportunity to teach um, the same class that I was in immediately, like when I came out. And so I was able to teach middle schoolers and high school students um, video production. Oh, wow. So you was able to give back right away. Yeah. And it was it was a really fun and great experience. Um, I had... I had maybe like 13 kids in my class and I remember some of the kids were like it was like my little sister at the time and some of her friends and then it was I mean people just kids just came to the class but they were really interested in learning um and it was cool teaching them video production and I always said that I wanted to retire as a film professor or whatever to teach oh, I mean wow. that's going to be a long time from now I didn't know but- that. Okay. Yeah. So um, it was just an awesome experience, and if I ever could, you know, do it again, I would. I would love to. So do the same thing all over, huh? Yeah. That's incredible. That's a lot, you know, set within itself. The fact that you learn about film and your interest in doing something in that realm of art while you were in high school through an extracurricular activity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I love the fact that, you know, you gave back so soon. You came back, you were able to help other young people, and that's what it's about, for people to reach back, you know, and pay it forward in such a way for individuals to be impacted positively by your experience and what you've learned. So on that note, you know, that also speaks to how important extracurricular activities are and can be. Yeah. I've seen a lot of individuals who have blossomed in their career and it was mostly stemming from an extracurricular because they've tried something different or a hobby um and it's something that I think is really important to put back into the schools so young people can have that outlet to learn about different things get that exposure but I say the word outlet because it's also a form of releasing you know tension worries whatever it is different forms of extracurricular you have sports and you have the arts 
And you have, you know, just a plethora of different ways to have extracurricular activities. And I know right here in Detroit, a lot of schools had cut that program out. So youth field was, in fact, outside of the school, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there are programs similar to like youth field that offers programs outside of a school building, which parents, I highly Highly encourage researching and finding programs that are out there. In fact, mm-hmm. our nonprofit, She's a Genius, we provide programming um, for young ladies in the arts and entrepreneurship realm. And we're going to continue to, you know, build upon that curriculum to be able to provide those resources for young people to have that extracurricular experience. So let's take a um, step back and let's look at what you were sharing you know you had mentioned a moment ago when you were in high school you had experienced a culture shock mm-hmm. when you left from a predominantly african-american institution or school and then you and you all moved to a different community you had a culture shock what was that experience like for you um well honestly from the beginning i would say um one i was just tore apart that i had to leave cast not go lie. Mm-hmm. All of my friends was there, and I have been there for three years. And so, um, by so when when I started in the middle of the semester, uh, and I seen you know the African American people in um in the Lance Cruz Public Schools, if you if if you will, if I can say the name, can I say the name? That's up. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, <laughs> we're transparent here. Okay, yes. Um, well, I went to Lance Crows. Um, that's where I graduated from, and so I ended up. Um, I started in the middle of the semester, and so I seen the black kids. Uh, they were, they were like the black kids in the movies. They wanted to be from Detroit, really bad. Um. Or they just wanted to always like go to the city. It was so much different. So you're saying the chi- the kids who went there that were African American, they were from that neighborhood, and that's all they were used to. Yeah, of that and norm. so and they wanted, um, they kind of wanted, I guess, a rougher experience. I don't know, but they would always say like, "Oh, I want to go downtown. I want to go to Detroit." Da, da, da. And oh, I that was to- a picture. A picture is rougher. Yeah. It's tougher. Yeah, and so um, and it was just more black people, and it was a. It was a smaller community of black people. I mean, there was literally like, you know, black tables. It was a lunch where they had more where they had more black people than they did, you know, white people in. And all the black people sat together. Um hmm. <laughs> and but they were just so much more raw or they were how you would imagine kids from Detroit would be. Um, but you could tell it was something that they, they wanted, you know, and so uh Whereas when I was at CAS, you know, we're we're nothing like that. We're black kids and we're here to get an education. And, you know, it was it was nothing. It was just a culture shock for me because I was from Detroit and I got to the suburbs and all of these black kids in the suburbs wanted to be from Detroit. Kind of like the movie The Hate You Give. Yeah. And the young lady, how she had to turn it on and turn it off yeah. because of her neighborhood and where she was from. And then when she went to a school that was predominantly, you know, Caucasian, she had to change it up. Would yeah. you say you could relate to that? <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, obviously at CAS we had to wear we had to wear a uniform, at least when I started going there. Okay. And so, um, 
I got to wear See, there was all a, of my a slight gap, you guys. Just a slight gap. We didn't have to wear uniforms. I okay. think that it was probably, they might have changed it up a year after I graduated. We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we didn't have to wear uniform. And that was the part why I was very excited about it because that was my first time coming into contact with going to a public school. Mm-hmm. I had went to a private school um, all the way up to high school. So I was always in uniform. So when it came to CAS in high school, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go <laughs> shopping. And at that time, you know, I think the hottest name brand was Tommy Hilfiger or something in Nautica. Or I don't even know if I'm aging myself in here because you know what? <laughs> Tommy Hilfiger is hot again. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was something, you know, and guess and um, what else was it? It was guess was a little bit older. Though. It was like my aunt's. Um, their generation. But anyhow, the main thing was I remember being able to wear whatever I wanted and I was excited about that. So yeah. you didn't have that experience. So you would have been double brokenhearted if you had that, <laughs> huh? Well, um, yeah, yeah, probably. But I, I got to wear uniform. I mean, I got to wear my regular clothes um, when I went to Lance Cruz. And so uh, all of the kids there, well, my friends there, um, I called them the Obama crew, because when I first met them, <laughs> they all had on these. Oh, this is when Obama was running for office for the first time. Okay. And he had just won. And so they all had on Obama T-shirts when I first met them. Okay. Shout out to President Obama. Obama. Yes. I mean, we. I am grateful to have the opportunity to air this, that President Barack Obama made a significant impact, a positive impact in many, many ways. And I am glad to say that he was, in fact, one of the best presidents that I've experienced in my yeah. lifetime. And I just want to take this moment to just shout out the great and positive work that he and his wife did contribute to the nation and yes. add to the world in the positive way. Okay, sorry, Paige. I'm just taking over no. your interview with all these other <laughs> inserts. <laughs> Shout out to Barack. Shout out to Barack Hussein Obama, who made it possible. I mean, who pretty much just was a trailblazer and was the first black president. Yeah. We actually got to see that. It was amazing for me in college. When he ran the second term, um, I got to vote for him. That was mm-hmm. my first time voting. Yeah. And so it was just an amazing experience. Experience, Isn't that yeah. Like here we are now, coming upon another election year, yeah, and getting ready to vote for a whole different presidential candidate. And you know, we won't get too heavily into this, but it's important to have this discussion, though, because mm-hmm. politics is everywhere, and for yeah. you to be educated about it, to be informed of who's going to be the party members. But being able to not only that educate yourself on the party members and being able to know who's going to be making an impact on your lives, who's going to be making that legislation, who's going to be writing those rules. And it's going to take a part on not only your life, but your children's lives, your children's children's lives, because you have people that are going to be coming into office that may be in Senate. That may be within the court supreme justice system. These are things we have to think about further down the line of knowing, okay, I need to educate myself on the parties and then make it a point to go and vote. Go and vote. So we have to make sure we take the time to mention that. 
It's Women History Month. We're going to tell back, you know, go back to what we were saying. But I want to give a shout out to Michelle Obama being an incredible (laughs) woman that she is, you know, by making a positive difference in education, making a positive difference for just women as a whole. And going back to like the woman we had before us today, Paige. Paige, you know, just tell us, you know, as we are, you know, focusing on the culture shock and things you experienced, you know, let's fast forward to like when you were in college. Mm -hmm. Now, you said you went to Western. Now, what was that experience like? Like, What did you major in? Film, video and media studies. Yes. You said that. Mm -hmm. And you chose that because of what you experienced at Youthville, right? Yes. But how was that experience (laughs) at Western? Was it another culture shock? Um, well, okay, so this goes back to just being put in a lot of extracurriculars. Um, when I was in high school, my mom made sure that I was a part of a lot of stuff. So I was a part of the YMCA Metro Youth Collaborative, um, which was the Future Professionals Academy. Um, I was also on the Wayne County Youth Parks Committee. Uh, again, I was a part of Citywide Poets. Um, so... I who did. got you involved in all this? So was, who was leading this? Your mom or were you that child that said, can I please try this? Can I try that? Or was your mom like, you trying this? My mom uh, was mostly the leading. She was the leading force for that. She wanted me to be well-rounded. And so um, I was a part of a lot of stuff. Also, in middle school, I played basketball. Um, and then I played tennis. So I got... I got a fair share of experience of being with, you know, different people, but I had just never been with, I had never been with, I guess, that many people outside of my race, or maybe I just, I I wasn't used to being comfortable with them. You know, I wasn't used to seeing them every single day. And so it was different for me. And it was different to see a marginalized uh, group of black people that, you know, and I and I gravitated towards them naturally too. So, um, but going back to to what you said, you know how? What did you say? <laughs> I was uh, I was talking about you know your experience going into oh uh, Western at Western. Yeah. So pretty much um, Western. It was going to Western. I mean, it was a black community, a marginalized black community there too at the time. Uh, I was a part of YBBW which was You Beautiful Black Woman. Um, I ended up, I did that my whole four years of being there. I was on the e-board for that. Uh, I was a part of the Western Film Association, and I was also a part of Collegiate Black and Christian. And the and I was also in the um, WMU Voices Choir. Wow. So, so you stayed acclimated and involved, and involved while you were even in college. Yeah, I mean, I liked, I I love people, so um, I thoroughly enjoyed just getting out there and being part, being a part of the community and being part of something. So, um, yeah, that's really important, though. I'm touching on that because I know a lot of people who go to college sometimes are either heavily involved or not involved at all. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and I stress the importance of getting involved and having a healthy balance. Yeah, you know, not letting your extracurricular don't get me wrong, get involved in extracurricular, get involved in programs on campus and things that are going to help advance you as a person because a college experience is more than going to class and coursework. It's all about the experience you create for yourself. 
and the resources, the programs, the organizations on campus are full across most universities. Yeah. But those times and those experiences, I look back as I was highly involved too. It helped shape me as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. It helped me learn how to start an organization. It helped me learn how, you know, plan for an event. You know, and these are things that you may touch on briefly in a group project when you're in college, but not necessarily going in depth and really rolling up your sleeves, doing real life action work. So I'm a huge advocate for those who go to a four-year institution or a college institution, get involved in other organizations and get involved in um, programs. And that is something that employers are going to look at. Even if you're getting rounded, you know, just for your own personal reasons, employers want to know, like, what else have you done? And what is it that you're doing? So with your experience on college campus, you know, how did you make sure you kept a healthy balance, though, of following your dream, continuing to shape it by being involved with organizations, but also making sure you're excelling in your academics? Um, well, to be honest with you, I was always mostly a social I like to be uh, very social. My mom used to call me a social butterfly. So me going to all of these events and being in all of these organizations, I liked it. And so um, oftentimes I did have a hard time balancing the two. Uh, but uh, I would say that one of the biggest things for me was, you know, to just always realize, like, why am I there? I'm there to get an education. You know, I'm there to move forward. I'm there to to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was that was really just my main focus. But at the same time, I wasn't I wasn't the type of person to just stay home anyways. You know, I didn't like to go out to parties like that, but I did like to communicate with other people. Okay. So you're always been a social butterfly in person, a people person. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps. Um, and knowing that, knowing who you are. <laughs> but I love that you touched on focus. Focus, staying focused and being focused. So coming up, was there a particular television show that spoke to, you know, your interest in the art or believe helped pave the way to where you are today? Uh, It's so, honestly, it's so many shows and so many movies that I watched growing up. Uh, I, as a child, would just literally spend weekends watching movies. Okay. And so, uh, and I... I still love movies just the same today. What are some of your favorite ones? Um, that's funny that you asked because just today, I t- it's, it's, you know, towards the end of Black History Month. And um, I counted down like five of my favorite black films. And number five was, uh, it was Jason's Lyrics. That's uh, pretty. Yeah. Jason's Lyric. uh I had Love and Basketball, Love Jones, oh, that's a good one. Um, Higher Learning, and Do the Right Thing. Mm, you got some good ones. Those <laughs> will make you Netflix and chill and binge watch all weekend, anytime, any place. Yes, I absolutely love uh, black films. So those were just five, you know, films that I really enjoyed and really kind of shaped shape the way that I see um, talent, like using using media to tell a message. Or to share a message. Um, Higher Learning, I watched that in college. It was Higher Learning was by John Singleton. And it was about uh, college students. 
um, from all different walks of life. Who passed, was, he passed away. Yes, rest in peace. Last, uh, two years ago, right? Or last? It was last year. Last yeah, year? we lost. We lost. I know. Um, he was yeah. a great legend. He, you know, hit it. Boys in the hood. That's baby boy. One. Baby boy. One of my favorites. <laughs> okay. Poetic justice. All, all a yeah. lot of great hits. So John Singleton, rest in peace. Uh, he was he was a great influence to me. Just coming up, and so was Spike Lee. Okay, uh, do the right thing was very, very pivotal for me to watch, and I, I kind of locked myself in a room at one point and just made myself watch all of the Spike Lee movies. Really, at yeah. what point <laughs> in time was this being a mommy? Accident? I was in college. While you yeah. were in college, yes, um, I was taking. So, funny thing about college is that um, even though I went for film, video, and media studies, I didn't really take any production classes, and so uh, I, I actually worked. Um, as a student video producer on campus. And so they allowed that to be, you know, my production class when I needed it pretty last minute. And so I ended up just having to, like, kind of teach myself and Hmm. say, like, hey, I want to learn more about black films. And so I would just, like I said, spend a whole weekend just watching all of these films and and studying them. And, you know, I I said to myself, "If if I want to be a part of this community, then I have to see who came before me and know what they did that, you know, kind of changed us. But yeah, so I was in college when I watched all of those Spike Lee films. Wow. And did you do the same thing for John Singleton? Uh, John Singleton kind of came over time, but I knew higher learning. Um, I don't even know how, how I kind of found out about it. I did a lot. That's I did all a, my apps and Terry Banks. Mm-hmm. I, um... I guess I just, I was so into it, you know, in college that I I would just look for stuff. Do you, you know? think that it was more relatable because you were in college and it was yes, about them and their college absolutely. experience and their college love? Mm-hmm. Like. And, and, you know, the the whole thing with uh, Michael Rappaport's character where he was basically a neo, he was a Nazi. Yeah. And uh, just, it was so many different perspectives, uh, including our very own. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it, um... It just kind of opened my eyes and it made me like realize the world around me. Wow. So uh, it's kind of interesting how you look at films and you look at it at different times and stages in your life and it has a different impact. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you look at it completely different, whether it's your age or what's going on within the community and the society. Yeah. At that particular time, you know, when they made it, you think like, man, what's this really going on? Like it's going on today or you look at it, you know, whether it's even um, other films or even like TV shows. Yeah. One show that I would say has been very pivotal in my life is The Cosby Show. Oh, of course. The Cosby Show definitely uh, is pivotal in my life. I like The Cosby Show. Um, what was the spinoff? A Different World. Uh, everybody loved Martin. Oh, yeah. Um, coming up, just just all so many, so much great content, great black content was coming out at, I guess, the time between from when I was growing up up until now that it's just, it kind of, and I forced myself into into that community. I forced myself to to be a part of it because I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I seen people like that around me, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I think about how you're saying, you know, you made sure you did the research and you went and you looked to see what those individuals were doing, the producers, the filmmakers, the film writers. And you educated yourself to so you equip yourself to be able to go after what you knew in your heart. 
you were mm-hmm. passionate about and what you wanted to do. And as we, like, you know, I mentioned the Cosby show, because there's so much to that show of why it's pivotal and very um, inspiring and motivational and just a key show for me. One, because of the family dynamic. You know, mm-hmm. you have the black doctor and you have the black female lawyer. attorney lawyer. Yeah. And I had the, you know, coming up, I have a plan and goal to become a lawyer. Yeah. I put it on the shelf. We'll see if I come back to it one day. <laughs> but anyhow, um, then they had not only children who were, you know, going after careers and their education and teaching mm-hmm. the importance of education and family, but they also have that humor dynamic. Yes. You know, they had the light fun in the household. They also had the romance where, you know, Claire Huxtable and her, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cliff was still romantic with one another. So you saw that in a positive light in the family, no matter how long they had been married. They still came home and he rubbed her toes or they danced yeah. to music, you know. <laughs> so just the creativity that was behind that in writing that and being able to show that light wherever they seen it directly or it was just paving the way of what should be and what could be for other families. And as you said, the spinoff of a different world. When I watched that coming up, I was, you know, a little bitty, you know, a little bitty yeah. guy. And then when I grew up and when I went to college... I remember a friend of mine's uncle had asked, and he was like, you know, so is college anything like a different world? And in my head, I'm thinking like, why is he talking about a different world? And I had to go back, and he was like, you know, is anything like that experience? And I look back, and I'm like, oh, man, they were in college. So again, it was a whole different experience. When I looked at it, I'm like, oh, man, they really were having the sororities and fraternities. Mm -hmm. Even though it was a made-up college, it was still like— a school that a lot of people like I desire to go to but it was yeah. an HBCU and everybody experience. wanted to go to an HBCU because they seen Hillman College which was not a real college but right. you know to us it was but people were like I want to go to Hillman because yeah. of that paved way what they show right yeah yeah and it was it was the black experience you know it was during that time I think it was it was the 90s um, and so it was I mean it was good it felt good to just be engrossed in your community in right. the black community right and seeing so much positivity like the cosby show and like um and like a different world and even uh even uh what's the living single yeah. you know uh shows like that those are are shows that really kind of shaped our lives and, and made us feel like okay we are important we're included yeah we see us we're we're working you know, jobs in the community and, and not just, you know, not just I'm a, a grocery store teller or, you know, I'm I'm somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I actually want to get into that a little bit further in that on where we are in film today and some of the heavy hitters. There's one particular woman of influence that I absolutely love her work and mm-hmm. her art and her craft. Myra Barack Akil, she... It's just a great influence, and her story itself encouraged me and inspired me to learn more about the film world and that art genre, and I was just motivated by her, you know, just her story and her husband, right? He's mm-hmm. also... Uh, Salim, Salim McKeel, uh he's also producer and creator of Black Lightning. Uh, so they kind of are a power couple in a sense where they work together in creating, which is an amazing thing. Um, which 
if you don't mind me going into, um, reminds me of one of my favorite uh, filmmakers. Oh, please do. Tell us. <laughs> Gina Prince, by the way. Oh. Um, she's the creator, writer, director of Love and Basketball. Um, and that was a film that I watched growing up. Uh, I didn't even know she had created it when I was young because, I mean, I guess... When you look at movies, you don't think like, oh, who created this right. as a kid? <laughs> you know, you just, you see it, you experience it, you feel it. And that's the beautiful part, too, about movies is that you don't see all the work that goes in behind it. But she um, she started out early, like, working on A Different World. Uh, she, she was writing for that. Um, her story is, is pretty similar. And if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I follow both of Mara Brock Akil and Gina Prince, by the way on Instagram, but they're like close friends. Oh. And so um, they kind of came into the industry, I feel like, together. But um, she's an inspiration for me. She created, she's a good storyteller. She also changed kind of the narrative for females um, when it came to the way that, you know, society seen them with love and basketball. She told a story from a different perspective. The girl, I mean, Sanaa Lathan's character was a tomboy. Mm-hmm. Right. But she was interested in men. Right. And so it, it just kind of changed, you know, I mean, women are everything. They can be diverse, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was big for me at growing up and seeing that. And she also works with her husband, right? Yes. Um, she works with her husband, Reggie Watt Bythewood, um, who is also a writer, director. He created um, Biker Boys. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, they're another power couple. Another power couple. Yeah, in the film industry. So it's, and Beyond the Lights. And Beyond the Lights. Uh, Gina Prince Bythewood created Beyond the Lights, uh, which is another favorite film of mine. That's so. a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. It's really important to really highlight these women, though, and talk about the work they've done mm-hmm. so that people can know who's behind that film. Yeah. You know, and similar to yourself. Being able to see they started somewhere and this is where they are today, which yes. just provides an additional motivation for anyone out there to know it's never too late and start wherever you are, but just start, just go for it, follow your dream, follow your ambition, whatever it may be. And just this page, just sharing, you know, even if you don't have a budget, you know, just make a will, make a way, make it happen. I think about, again, Myra Brocker-Kill, how she talks about how her budget was limited as well. But you just speak about some of the great work she did in using her creativity. Mm-hmm. I want to get into your story. You are not only a director now, a writer, and a narrative of films, but you also have your own television network. You also have your own film that is not only been in theaters, but it's also on Amazon Prime. And we have a living, growing legend in front of us. And I use the word legend because it's like what you've done, the way things you've paved so far will always be a blueprint, will always be a footprint across the globe. So your story, you just shared with us about, you know, your experience of being a youth field, having extracurricular activity, and then you following that and going to college, investing in yourself, educating yourself further, doing that on your self-research. And now here you are. These are some things you've accomplished. How does that feel? Um, I'm still I'm still growing and learning day by day. So I don't feel like by any means that I have made it <laughs> or anything like that. 
I'm still trying to break through. I'm still trying to grow. I'm still trying to get better every day. Um, and I'm always thinking about the next step, to be honest with you. So um, I do, however, think it's important to stop and, and, and appreciate, you know, how far I have come and just Absolutely. pretty much how much that I worked to get to where I'm I'm at. Um, but at the same time, I know that there's still much further to go and that this is only really for me the beginning because I know, you know, kind of what God instilled in me and I know how far he wants me. I know the limits that God can take me and there is no limit. Amen. And so um, I'm just... I'm just taking it as it comes, but really, I'm just grateful to God that people have been able to see, you know, something that I produce, but better yet, you know, see, a, be able to take in the message that I was able to deliver. Yes. And I love your hashtag, God moves. Yes. And the moves that he's making within you and for you is incredible, but not only are you making a point to do what you're passionate about? You're putting God at the forefront. I see that, you know, in your work. I see that when you speak. I see that you don't shy away from it. It's your bold about acknowledging God, acknowledging that he's brought you to where you are and he's taking you to the next move, the next step, to the point you say God moves. Yes. And I love that. You also was sharing how, you know, a moment ago, you have to take a moment to acknowledge all your hard work to get to where you are. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, you've graduated college. You know what you want to do. You got laser focus or do you? What's happening after you graduate? And how, tell us a synopsis of what happened and how did you get to where you are now? Uh I wish you could see my face. <laughs> <laughs> She's like pressing her eyes, you guys. And when that question came about, like, OMG. Okay, so uh, once I got out of college, I ended up, like I said, teaching at Youthville. And that's pretty much, I mean, that's where, at that point, Youthville was not really even Youthville anymore. It had kind of, it went away and it was like Don Bosco Hall. But they still had the video program through um, one of my former teachers there. And so he came to me and he said, hey, you know, I'm supposed to be teaching this class, but could you help me out and could you do it? And so that's how I started doing it. And so from there, um, the last thing that I did, I had a professor in college. Her name was Heather, uh, Dr. Heather, Heather Addison. She was my film professor and she taught me how to write scripts. I took a short script writing class. And so my final project was to write a 20 to 30 page script. Mm -hmm. I wrote that. And when I got to working at Youthville, Don Bosco Hall, um, I was talking to my mentor at the time, the guy who had got me the job, mm -hmm. and I told him about my film, and he said, yeah, let's produce it. You know, let's let's do it, like whatever you want to do. Um, and so he let me pretty much use the space at Youthville to hold auditions, and mm -hmm. I I didn't have any money, but I knew that I wanted to I wanted to get out there and actually get the experience to produce films. Okay. And so... Um, so I produced my first uh my first short film out of college and What was the name of it? It was called As Far. Oh. It was a coming of age story about a high school student okay. who just pretty much had to make who was a product of her environment and had to make decisions 
that would either lead her to go to college or keep her at home. And so um, that was the first film body of work that I had ever created. And it was an experience. Um, Again, I didn't have any money. But and at the time I was not doing so well um, in my home life. So, (laughs) okay. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was really honestly struggling, but somehow, you know, God made a way and my dad chipped in and he started helping. Um, he helped me get locations. Um, he, he helped, you know, he had a business partner who chipped in like, uh, she, she had, uh, houses over on the North end. And so we ended up shooting in some of her houses over on the North end. And I want to say... I had never put together a film before. So a year afterwards, I still hadn't like had it all together. And so, so many pieces was missing. We was having audio issues. And then one day, um, somebody from Raw Detroit had reached out to me, Raw Natural Artists. Um, It was their first time coming to Detroit. And they reached out to me and they said, hey, if you, you know, we noticed that you're a filmmaker, you're an artist. Um, we want to showcase artists here in Detroit. Okay. So I look at the information. Pretty much you have to sell like 15 tickets to the showcase um, in order to pretty much be considered. And okay. be in, so I said, okay, well, I'm going right. to use this as motivation okay. to complete this project. Okay. So I did. And by the deadline, I cut the film down to 16 minutes and... On the day of the event, I had sold 60 tickets. Um, and you had the, to do a minimum of 12. 15. I had a to minimum do a, of 15, and you did 60. With the help of my friends, family, and my parents. People that um, believed in you. Yeah. And so I had sold 60 tickets, and we were the, they don't, we were the only film, you know, kind of showcasing. So it was a it was an art showcase with like a thousand people there. They put it on like every month now, mm-hmm. but you know at the time it was their first time doing it in Detroit, and so mm-hmm. um, we did that, and that was really successful for me. And I ended up actually making money from it because I sold over fifteen over the fifteen ticket or twenty ticket minimum, whatever it was. But I ended up selling way more than I needed to, and from that, um, after I did that, I was really happy. <laughs> They added, <laughs> added to your motivation, I would yeah, imagine, right? Yeah, um, it, it definitely it kept me afloat. And so I said, you know, I was happy. I was I was grateful. And so I just said, you know, the next film that I create has to be one with God involved. Mm. And so from that point, I ended up writing the story, Chasing After You, um, which in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be a series. Right. You know, and so I was working at... Well, let me pause you real quick. <laughs> okay. Let me give everybody just a, a proper introduction to Chasing After You, okay? Chasing After You was not just something that, like, as she shared, you know, that was just something that she had in her camera Rolodex and on her computer. <laughs> it actually, I went to go see the film at Imagine in Rural Oak, okay? Let's create the presence of what really took place how big this film was and not only that going back to something she was just sharing how when she first did that film and she didn't have any type of money and she had to sell these tickets and she didn't have any type of support or she didn't have 
the financial means, but she had the support to keep her motivated, to keep her going. How much of an impact and positive part that contributes to where she has gone and is today? Because I can, I would imagine if she just think if she never did take that leap of faith, if she never did apply for that project, if she never did say, let me try to sell these tickets and tell people about what I want to do, would she be where she is today? You know, maybe a little bit later after she still takes that leap of that faith. But what I really enjoyed hearing was her transparency of sharing that she didn't know how she was going to do it. And she also said there was some rough situations going on around her, but she still persevered and still tried to make it happen. And there's a saying, when there's a will, there's a way. And your gift mm-hmm. will make room for you. So chasing after you, I really, really enjoyed the film. I really, really liked it. Actually, last night, I just put my mom on because it's on Amazon Prime and I have a Prime membership. We <laughs> checked it out. And I just want to tell you, I love the fact that you put God in it. I love the fact that you kept a real story. And I'm not going to tell you guys the full detail of it because you got to go check it out. But I had to put that in there. So tell us more about that experience and what you were saying about chasing after you. Okay, thank you for the introduction <laughs> of Chasing After You. Um, well, uh, Chasing After You pretty much came from a result of me doing, you know, my first short film. Um, I wanted to create something with God, and I kind of just got, from that point on, I got looped into, I'm only going to tell stories about God now. Hmm. You know, and so... Um, In my mind, I thought it was going to be a series. So I started writing, I started writing it in parts, like part, I mean, like part one, part two, and part three. Right. And so, uh, but I don't, I can't even tell you what was the, the driving force honestly had to be God. Because when I think about how fast I moved um, and just pre-production and just like, oh, we're just going to do this. I had some really insane confidence. I don't know where it came from. Wow. Um, I was working at the Word Network. I had just like really started there or I had been working there for maybe a year or so. I was working the night shows at least. And the lead actress, she was working there as well. Okay. Her name is The lead uh, actress of Chasing After You. Of Chasing After You. Her uh-huh. name is uh Gabby Ruffin. And so we we were friends, uh, but we also worked together well, we worked together first, then became friends. Okay. But um, I was telling her, like, hey, you know, I'm writing this I'm writing this script for this film, and I want you to play the lead. She wasn't an actress at the time. Okay. This is the first film that she had acted in. You just felt led to ask her. Yeah, and, and she said yes. And so um, when I got the, when I got, you know, the script finished, and I, it really wasn't finished, I don't even know, like, what pushed me, like, yeah, we just go do this. And so... <laughs> So pretty much, <laughs> it had to be. It had to be God because it didn't. When I really think about it, I don't even know how the order of events made sense. I had literally fully cast it. Um, uh, Q let me, uh, the owner of Q Eleven Studios, shout uh, out to Q. Yes, um, he he's my supervisor, and he actually let me use the studio to help hold auditions there. Right. I was working at the studio with him at the time, and 
He let me hold auditions there. So I held auditions. That's a great, that's a great, that's a great lookout. And again, let me take a quick second and give a real shout out to Q. It's Quentin Ross. Yes. And he has Q11 Studios. He's doing great work, you know, doing a lot of photography and videography work. Me and um, Quentin actually grew up together and went to middle school together and church together and just grew up. But it's incredible to see the great work he's doing and also giving back. Because I remember years ago, he also played a nice part and was a mentor or a guest speaker at um, some programming events for my other organization. Um, so anyhow, finish telling this. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, please. Um, Q has been helpful to a lot of people's lives. So he's a blessing. Um, but... Pretty much, I, I asked Gabby. She said, yes, I hadn't. I held the audition. She came to the audition. She auditioned. Um, and everybody else, you know, came. We made our decision. I had a crew. Um, and I, I held a meeting and pretty much told people about the film, said, hey, this is what I want to do. And I also wanted, and this, well, I'll talk about this later, but because it leads into the business that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I pretty much told them that I wanted to help other people, you know, tell their stories, too. And so um, from that, we cast it and it got really real from that point. What you on. mean? So we ended up casting the full cast one, it was a large, I mean, it was a relatively large cast, but it was a feature film. Okay. So, I mean, for me, it was a large cast because I was coming from shooting a short. But um, I like to have a lot of people involved, too. So it was like 14 cast members. And we started having um, we started having rehearsals at the church, uh, which was actually my cousin's church. He, he's also, he also did audio for the film. Okay. Um, He's he's heavy in audio, and his wife is my actual blood cousin. Okay. So that's how we're cousins. But um, she's also a writer. All right. And so um, they had came along for the ride, and so we were having rehearsals, and I had casted, um, like, four of the leads were not, you know, compliant. They weren't showing up in rehearsal, um, and it was— we were getting closer and closer to the day of shooting. So it started being like, okay, I have to now recast these people. People were getting upset. Because um, <laughs> you couldn't move on because they had played a big part. Yeah, and I had and I had to um, to let, I had to let like half the cast that I had casted go um, because they just weren't, you know, showing up. And so, and that's understood because it wasn't a paid project. At, you know, it wasn't a paid project. So a lot of people weren't really taking it seriously. And so um, I didn't have any money at all. You know, people... Zero budget. (laughs) Zero budget. So the people who came um, to be a part of this project were people who simply just believed in in the story and believed in me. And so I'm grateful for that. And um, pretty much the, the other lead character, Malachi... He was set to be the doctor in the film. Okay. But he showed up at every single rehearsal and even remembered the lines for the lead character. Oh, wow. He was prepared. Oh, yeah. He was prepared. Um, he was uh, he was not going to miss any opportunity. And okay. still to this day, will not miss any opportunity. Okay. And so, so does he have acting experience? 
Does yes, he, he have acting oh, experience? Oh, yeah, he has acting experience. Um, well, he actually acted in my first film. Okay. Um, as far as he acted, I I want to say his first acting experience was in As Fire, and then he just showed up, you know, for Chasing After You, and he was going to be the doctor, and he ended up being the lead because he was there. Wow. You know, Malachi, he, he was ready. He was right there um, knowing all the lines, and so without a... You know, I didn't have any other options either. So I chose him to be the lead. And he So you was ready too. You said yeah. I gotta make a move and I had in yeah. action. <laughs> Flexible. Yes, I had to make so I mean, I would say one thing that, you know, being a director and being a writer and producer of your own project, you have you are faced with so many decisions, um, that morally you have to make, uh, where you you have to Sometimes be the bad guy, which I'm I am not good with. Um, but when you I say have, the bad guy, what do you mean? Well, you, you have to make those hard decisions, such as um when casting, you know, sometimes you have to do what works best for the film. And so I ended up coming up I mean the cast that I ended up having for Chasing After You, I believe was the cast that God intended mm-hmm. because the people that I that I had casted before um, they weren't, you know, in the graces of God like that. And you could tell. And so, and some of that was actually the reason why I it was I wasn't led to stick with them too. And so I had to make a lot of hard decisions by letting people go. Mm-hmm. And like I said, some people were really upset that I let them go. Mm-hmm. Um hmm. so it gets <laughs> tough. It gets real. Yeah. You know, I was wondering about that whole world of being a director because a lot of people, you don't hear it from this side of it. You see their work, but you don't really get into the head of like, what's really going on yeah. as a director? Like, what's the day-to-day like, you know, and being able to, as you labeled it, bad guy, I label it as executor. <laughs> the one that you got to get the job done. And then not only that, if you're also the writer the narrative of the story. So that plays a bigger part of you being able to direct that film. Cause yeah. a lot, sometimes it's separate people and all yeah. those entities, you know? So that is where you're able to really just be true to the idea and to the picture. <laughs> yeah. I think where, I think where it's really different is um, one, I'm an independent filmmaker and we're an independent filmmaker versus uh, somebody who is in Hollywood. In Hollywood, as as a director, you're only a director. Um, okay. As an independent Teach filmmaker, <laughs> um, as an independent filmmaker, you have to do a good five to ten jobs. Okay. Because you know there's nobody else. You don't have the money to pay for a first and second, first and second AD. Um, you know, like fifty production assistants. You don't have the money to pay for a separate location scout. Um, you don't have five producers. You don't have um, so many different people that can work together in a department. So I have actors constantly contacting me. I have um, director, I mean, cinematographers contacting me. I got the audio guy calling me. You know, I'm I am the only person that, you know, people kind of come to. And so... Having a team is really important. Having somebody, a group of people that really commit to working with you, um, kind of no matter the cause, is really just a blessing. Even if it's just, you know, two people 
three people, whatever the case may be, um, being an independent filmmaker is kind of really hard because you have to, so to speak, get it out the mud. Okay. You have to, you have to make a way out of no way. Yeah. And so, um, I was dealing with that really for the first time, like on a on a larger scale, because I was shooting a feature film. I was shooting a film that ended up being, you know, an hour and twenty four minutes. Um, when my short film was only sixteen minutes. You know, we only probably shot two or three weekends and versus when I shot my feature film, which was kind of rushed because, every, I mean, everybody had a full-time job. Right. And so... And you said, again, <laughs> everybody was doing this free because you didn't have a budget. Exactly. So, you know, I was... They was that's, on, a, that's another layer of pressure too, right? Because yeah. Because you feel like it's for a layer of feeling obligated, like, man, I really want to do something for Oh, everybody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that you had that aspect too. And you're just for me it was like, dang, I'm just one person. Um, but I owe so many people. <laughs> wow. And that's how I felt. I felt like indebted. And and so I tried even after the film to um, you know, if I could take their headshots, I would take the headshots. If I could put together a video for them to, you know, submit auditions, I would do that. Or any way that I could possibly help, you know. I, w- I was trying to do that because I knew that they had committed their time and their effort to me. More of a barter system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even to this day, I still I still do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not as much because I'm, I'm not shooting a film right now, but um, I'm still very open to using the barter system and using my talents and my gifts um, to... To pretty much fund, you know, my projects. Fund your projects. You know, that segues us into the key person I mentioned to you, I mentioned earlier, uh, the woman of influence that I would love to highlight is Myra Barakakil. Love, 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 love her. I love her work. I love her art and how she shows up as a woman, Mm African-American female. But as a screenwriter, as well as a television producer, and some of her work, you know, before I even really followed her as a person, I followed her work. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't even recognize that there was a similarity of the same writer for these shows, which were, happens to be some of my favorite shows. Shows. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, you know, like to where we are today in television from those shows we mentioned earlier, I believe Myra, not believe, Myra Bracker Kill, she took on mm-hmm. that um, path of continuing keeping black film alive, mm-hmm. engaging. I know she worked on the project of Martin. Mm-hmm. She also worked on Moesha. I believe she said that was one of her first shows she worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really brought her to light to me as an individual, like who is this writer, was her TV show Love Is. Mm-hmm. And she also was a producer and I'm writer of a uh, girlfriend. Oh yeah. So the yeah. whole list, I mean, yeah. I'm going to tell you guys what brought my attention to her was love is that came out last year, but I'm going to back up and tell you some of my favorite shows that she's a part of. She was girlfriends. She created girlfriends as well as the game mm-hmm. being Mary Jane, mm-hmm. black lightning. And all of those shows, I was like, Oh, I love them. You know, and from the beginning to the end, it was real. Mm-hmm. Her script writing was just things you can relate to. Yeah. 
And Love Is was something that I really, really appreciated that show. You know, it's no longer on. Hopefully something will come Hopefully back. Hopefully we get a season two. Hopefully it comes Everybody's back. Everybody's waiting. Somewhere, <laughs> some way. You know, um, I just wanted to highlight her. But I remember listening to one of her interviews. And she was sharing how a big factor issue with um, some of her projects, either being cut short or whatever the case may be, was budget. Having the funding being provided to her to be able to do the work. You know, like she said, a number of her films, like Girlfriends, mm-hmm. there was no marketing budget for that. And a lot of people learned about it from word of mouth. Or they mm-hmm. turned it to television. It's like, oh, what's this TV show? What's that? You know, and she was saying, like, surprisingly, a lot of her films back then didn't have a marketing budget before it came out. People kind of just learned about it, heard about it, and that's how good it was. So you sharing today your story, like how you started out, you didn't have a budget. you like, man, I just did it. People just believe. These are things that people don't really know or think about, you know, in regards yeah. to the cost it takes to, you know, create a film or create a movie. So how have you learned from that experience, you know, knowing at Michigan at one point, I believe what was that? In 2012 or so, when we had a 50 million dollar grant, the film incentive, yeah, yeah, the film incentive. It's That's gone when, now. It's gone, right? <laughs> yeah. Were you able to be able to tap into that at all? I was still in college. You were still in college. I didn't even come out until 2014. So wow. Yeah. Okay. So by the time I hit the ground running, it was extinct. Like, <laughs> so what are you doing as a artist in that lane? Like, what are some things that you've Found to be helpful outside of what you mentioned, the barter system. Mm-hmm. But you know, what are some other funding sources that you do the help you do your projects? Um, well, for the first for the first film, the short film that I shot, um, I actually did do a crowdfunding campaign. Okay, um, it was through Kickstarter, but um, with Kickstarter. You don't get the money if you don't meet the goal. So you pretty much set your goal. And and I was very young at I was very young at the time, at least at what I was doing. And so I didn't think I just didn't put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And so we were asking for like tw- 10 grand. And I mean, now having to shoot a film with absolute a whole feature length film mm-hmm. with no money, mm-hmm. we know, OK, we don't realistically need 10 grand. OK. But um, now uh, we do crowdfunding campaigns. We also, you know, try and for me. Um, I'll do like you know some gigs, put the money aside. Also, have a full time job, so you know whatever I have kind of left over from that, I try to you know self fund. Self fund. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of trying trying to look into um just getting people to invest, and they come on as executive producers of the project. Um, going out into the community and just. Pretty much, I mean, if, if if you put yourself out there and just, you know, some people simply just believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and they just want to help. Okay. So, so can you help us understand, like, what exactly is an executive producer? Like, what hat do they wear? <laughs> um, okay, well, most of the time an executive producer means that they pay for the project. But do they get to <laughs> say so? Uh, to a certain, I mean, they can, yeah, they get probably the biggest say so, um, cause they could say, yeah, I'm not doing this. I mean, I'm not going to pay, pay for this if you don't do this. So, so they can, they, they can come to you with some negotiation with changing your film. Absolutely. 
Um, they don't typically do that. Uh, and and kind of on the independent scale uh, for an executive producer, I know for Chasing After You, I had two executive producers who were just um, SAG actors, which are a part of the um, Screen Actors Guild, which means that they have to be they have to be paid. Um, and instead of them actually getting paid, they came on as executive producers um, in exchange. Okay. So uh, that was, again, a blessing. And these were, uh, I had three actors from out of state, um, and three of them were SAG actors. Wow. Uh, it's like thinking outside of the box, being yeah. creative. Yeah. So, so for the most part, you know, I was just kind of blessed with that opportunity but um, executive producer is, it pretty much means that you either are giving something really big, contributing something really big to the project, mm-hmm. um, or you're paying for it. Wow. Or okay. paying a large amount for it. Or okay. You, you know. Okay. So. Now, what's the difference between, I know you touched into the piece about director, but we even talked earlier about like being a writer. Mm-hmm. When people think you're a writer, you can write anywhere, anything. <laughs> like, can you do my blogs? Can yeah. you do a commercial? Can you do uh, whatever that may be? Can you tell us the difference between like being a filmmaker and a writer? Um, like, well, I, I call myself a filmmaker because at this stage in my life as an independent filmmaker, um, sometimes I have to stand in and be more than just a writer and director, um, which I don't exactly credit myself to, but I have to do a lot more than if I, if I was working on a Hollywood production. Um, and then for writing, um, I'm a narrative feature. I mean, I'm a, I'm a narrative writer for screen, you know, so I write screenplays. Okay. Versus, um being able to write for TV, I mean, being able to write, like, TV commercials or being, I mean, some people have even asked me to write a grant because I, <laughs> which is because not the same, <laughs> you know, just different. because I'm a writer, I'm a script writer, a screenplay writer, um, I write to tell stories on screen, and, yeah, that's not the same thing. It's a completely so, different yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a whole different field. You have to go to school, and, I mean, you don't have to go to school, but, you know, your focus has to be different. And unfortunately, I am not a writer of commercials or, or things like or that. Or grants. Yeah. You make or the grants. movies. Yeah. You write the, the movies. movies. Okay. So I wish that I could write, you know, commercial promos and stuff. I can, but um, I'm not a marketing seller like that. So I'm and not that great nothing that. wrong with yeah. that. You know, this you is just like, my lane. your lane. <laughs> You're comfortable in your lane and you stand in it. Yeah. And that's you know. what is important instead of trying to put on so many hats or the pressure yeah. as an entrepreneur can be where people present things to you, what they think you could do or should do. Like, oh, well, you have you tried this or do yeah. you do that or should you? And then that becomes a distraction Yeah, from your focus of you knowing this is my lane. This is what I'm called to do. This is what this I'm is working on. This is what I'm good on. at. I can't. I mean, this is what I'm good at. And that goes to saying like, no, nah, I can't do that. I, that's not in my skill set, <laughs> and I'm not even interested in it being in my skill set. Right, right. You know, <laughs> I mean, how often do you go to the doctor's office and ask them to represent you as a lawyer? Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's completely different. Although it's in the same lane, and people think it's the same thing. I'm glad that we're here, and she's a genius to kind of educate yeah. for us to all be more empowered. Because a lot of times, people are just you know not aware, not clear, you know, even for myself for the longest. I'm like, okay, so what's the executive producer? And what's the director? So I'm glad you shed light 
to that for us. And recently, you just received some awards. I oh, yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on that. It was the Bill Johnson Black Film Festival. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, yeah. So, um, the Bill Johnson the Bill Johnson Black Film Festival um, held every year in Gary, Indiana, which is usually around... Oh, it's usually in uh, the month of February, which is Black History Month. But um, I was officially selected to be a part of the festival. And so I got a chance to drive down there um, and pretty much experience, I mean, showcase my film to, it was actually a lot of people there um, to see my film. And it was, and I had the only feature length film. So uh, yeah, it was was awesome. I didn't know at the time that I was going to be the only feature length film. And actually, I thought my film was going to be in the um, the segment where they show it, like, to students at school or whatever. So, I didn't... At first, I didn't know how big it would be. Right. <laughs> and so, it was just a film festival that I had um, submitted my film to. And, you know, I got in. And, and that was just... And I sent a prayer up for that one. And, you know, God looked out. But... So, I was just, you know, happy to be a part of that. Also, Bill Johnson is... Um, He's an actor. Uh, he's been in a lot of black films. He's been in, in Sugar Hill Ave. Um, it's you. If you watch some black films, then you've seen them before, right? So he it's was there. <laughs> creative in his realm of art. Creative as an actor, you yeah. know. And you know, just to see you getting rewarded for your hard work, your diligence, that has to feel incredible. Yeah. Um, it's all just kind of come. I guess for me as a surprise, I mean, I'm, I, it's been rewarding because, uh, I just, just being there before it happened, um, and feeling like I couldn't do it or feeling like, you know, I wasn't actually gonna get it done or feeling like, yo, you know, what if nobody, what if I put this project out? And nobody likes it. Right. And so um, the fact that I've been able to actually be selected in these film festivals, I was a part of last year, um, the Trinity International Film Festival, which is ran by um, Marshall and Lazar Favors, who every year put that on. And that's kind of a big event for mm-hmm. Detroit. Um, also, last year, where you seen my film at the Imagine Theater, um, it was a part of the ICU Awards, which is also a... Um, we also, because of that night, we won um, we won the People's Choice Award. Wow. And so, yeah. And so just being a part of these film festivals really helped me uh-huh. um, just kind of understand, like, oh, you know, it kind of affirmed for me that I was doing the right thing. The right thing. Yeah. And so that was just uh, for me. It's like me. a sigh, I would yeah. say. You know, I can relate in another spectrum just being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and when you are rewarded with whether it is like a project like you said or a grant or an actual award it's an opportunity we can kind of like sigh like breathe like okay yeah. all yeah. right because I see you got right because <laughs> you. it's not an easy walk in the park um it's definitely rewarding in as many different ways as an entrepreneur but just being able to see you know the fruits of your labor 
those sacrifices that's behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see, a lot of people don't know about, you know, and being faced with some challenges that, you know, don't yeah. meet the eye. People see the shiny and the gold, like, oh, you got this award. Oh, you at the movie yeah, theater. You <laughs> said, you know, sometimes it was real and you even just mentioned, you know, sometimes you're like, am I going to be able to make it? Am I going to be able to do it? Can you tell us about a challenging time or some or that you experienced that caused you to pause and reevaluate and assess what you were doing? Um, well, with Chasing After You, um, after we shot it, we shot it for two, we shot it every weekend for two months um, in the summer of 2017. And so pretty much, you know, I had uh, my crew with me, which, you know, was the cinematographer, um, my cousin who was doing audio, my other, his wife, my other cousin, um, she was the script supervisor and my producer. And pretty much we had all sat down and said, okay, you're going to edit XYZ scenes, you're going to edit XYZ scenes. And, you know, we were just trying to figure out a plan to get it done. That completely fell through. Um, I mean, people, mm. people, after, you know, being with you so long, they get tired. And so at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, I ended, it came down to me editing it myself. Mm. And um, that took a minute. And I had people around me every day asking me, like, so when you go get this film finished? So what you doing with the film? And it was <laughs> it was so exhausting. Oh, man. <laughs> it was exhausting because um, it, it had been like a three month period where I had just stopped doing anything with the film. So it came to a time for me where somebody had actually asked me, well, why don't you just trash it? Mm. Just don't put it out at all. Really? Yeah. Somebody's, Those words. Yeah. And I mean, why don't, yeah, pretty much. And so. How'd that make you feel? It kind of broke my heart when I heard it um, because I thought about, one, all of the people who had committed their time, um, their dedication, and, you know, just everybody that was involved. But it also made me think about myself and all the work that I did. Right. You know, and for it to just all go to waste. And how much work that I had put in just to get to a point where it seemed like it was nowhere. So because it, it kind of it lit a fire under your butt then, huh? It lit a major fire. At that point, I was like, okay, I have to do this. And so, you know, I called up my producer and... I just started, you know, pushing through. And so we last minute ended up finding somebody who could do the audio for, because that was one of the big issues is that we were having, you know, issues with like mixing the audio and stuff like that. And so we found somebody who could do the audio for like really cheap. He got a group together. He did that. And then after that, um, that didn't even get finished till March 2019. And immediately after, I started submitting it to film festivals. And in August, I was in all of those film festivals. And so... So once was, you finally finish it, it took off. Yeah. You know, um, and, that, and that was confirmation from God, too. Because God put it inside of me. And, and so I was praying and just thinking, like, God, why would you have me do something like this? Mm. Because I, I constantly tell people, like, I would never recommend that you just try to shoot a whole feature-length film with no money. And really, for me, I didn't have, like, a plan like I thought I did. I didn't know what I was doing for real. This was my first time, you know, going out and doing something to that extent. 
I had did a short film, you know, but please, like, it was it was a lot of scenes to edit. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of labor and work. Yeah, and yeah. so looking back, what would be your piece of advice to yourself and that somebody else can benefit from? Uh, one of the, the biggest pieces of advice I would give myself was to just remember and I seen this is actually something that I seen on on Facebook okay um but it, it said remember remember what I promised you from God like remember what I promised you God always keeps his promises mm. and so for me that was that was big because I often pull back and question myself often said, you know what, I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is ridiculous. This is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, why would I do something like this? Right. Um, and it's blowing up in my face. But it was really just because my flesh was was freaking out. Okay. You know, so you, you have to have a lot of faith. Okay. You, Having faith. <laughs> yes. You okay. have to have a lot of faith and remember that if God is involved, that it will succeed. Because okay. that... And that's his plan for you. Okay. You know? So that so, was something that you kind of might have drifted from believing at the time. Yeah. I was, I was losing faith. <laughs> losing faith. And yeah. what else would be some other key things that you would recommend to help somebody keep their faith or be able to help with the process? I heard you mention how you didn't really have a plan. Yeah. Would you suggest um, anything different in that realm? Yeah, absolutely. I would just always say, you know, uh, plan as much before you actually go out and shoot um, as possible. Plan for the unexpected. Plan for every single thing. The more you have planned ahead, granted, things will always go wrong. Things will always go wrong. But um, the more that you have planned, the more that you know, uh, the more you can actually get done and and, it, and you can trail through. You know, without having to be like, okay, well, this never happened or, okay. I mean, there's always going to be something that you didn't expect happen. I mean, that you didn't expect to happen to happen. And so um, I would just say always plan as much as possible. Plan as much as possible. I love that you did your homework. You said you looked at other people, you researched, and most importantly, you still did it anyway. You went after, you never, you, even when it got tough, you still picked it up, picked it back up and got back to it. And I usually, I think back on some of my larger projects and it's usually those real big projects right before you get done Mm -hmm. is when it gets the toughest. It gets so hard. It gets so real. Yeah. And you're just like, I cannot go on or I don't know how, I don't know when, how I got this far. And two, what am I going to do now? It seems like it's, it just, it's scary, you know, but um, it's pretty much the, what do they call it? Uh, You end up seeing the light before the tunnel. I mean, and so I think, but that's, you, it's a breakthrough, you know, it's right before your breakthrough, the moment before your breakthrough. Right. And so I just... I would say everybody just please stay encouraged and keep good people around you. Keep people who believe in you around you um, to encourage you to move forward. Cause I had, I had that and it was just sometimes just somebody asking me about the film, Mm -hmm. you know, cause it, it used to kill me when they would walk in and say, Hey, 
So what's going on with that film? Or hey, are you still doing that film? What you gonna do about this film? It was in a, in a way, I feel like it was God reminding me, like, hey, I'm you're not done. You're not finished. Yeah, you got to do this. Yeah, you, you have to do this. I'm not gonna let you know. Wow, that's something you know that I believe that I stand by very often. That we have again all have a story mm-hmm. to share, and our story helps somebody else. And in our shirt, our story uh, plays out in different ways. Like, you know, just your work, the things you do. But even if you are a screenwriter telling stories in your film, which yeah. highlights God. So you know for sure your <laughs> coattail was going to be pulled of yeah. saying, hello, hello. It's not about you, Paige. Mm-hmm. Get out the way. Do what I told you to do. I gave you these skills. I gave you these tools. I equipped you to do it like nobody else can, come on, let's get back to it. But a key thing that I think is important is to be able to take that time where you do have to breathe, you do have to reassess, and then refocus on your why, refocus on what it is that you're doing, and then refocus on just what's happening in your life. You mentioned something about having key people around you who are positive and who are supportive. Mm-hmm. That's very, very important. But some people may not necessarily have that. Some people may not have it, not necessarily by choice, but it's just the circumstances they're in. Yeah. You know, and then a lot of people, we do have it because God is going to send you somebody somewhere. It's all mm-hmm. about keeping your eyes and ears open and being focused on what is happening in your life as opposed to being distracted by what's not happening. You know, yeah. it might just be that one key person that's always riding for you, but it can become easily at times for some people, you know, humanly get into the realm of focusing on who ain't there. Yeah. Like, this person ain't showing up for me. This person didn't do that. This person didn't come. These people didn't come cast instead of like focusing on, okay, these people are here. Yeah. This person is helping you and they are here for a reason. Everybody that shows up is supposed to be there. That's what my mom always tells me. She says, you know what? Who's supposed to be here is here. Whether mm-hmm. that is <laughs> in your personal space, your professional space. I think about where you said with a young man, you know, he was ready to prepare for the script and you didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And he was ready. Yeah. Yeah. He's always ready too from <laughs> still to this day. I, shout out. Shout, shout out, out to Malachi. Shout out to Malachi. I love the fact that you said though, just you know, being able to stay focused. So as we get ready to wrap up, you know, key thing in regards to having people around you or not, you gotta stay motivated. What are some ways you stay motivated? Well, some ways that I stay motivated, um, I definitely Always, always, always keep God at the forefront of everything that I do. I believe that um, Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And that's actually my Godson's name, Roman. So, um, so yeah, I I believe that God gives you what you need, whatever it is that you need for whatever it is that He wants you to do, and so. Um, one of the big motivators for me is just staying in his, staying in his presence and staying around people who are in his presence. Um, even down to when I'm casting for a film, uh, I do look at if a person has a background, I mean, has a relationship with God or not. 
um, that matters to me first. Um, or, and, and you know, God uses different people for, for different, you know, situations. And so if a person is led to work with me, it's usually because I believe that God sent them. Um, that is my number one motivator is Jesus Christ. And uh, also just kind of, but there are now with, you know, kind of the small success of Chasing After You and just the small audience that I have, um, there are people looking at me now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I have to kind of do this for them too, you know? I have to be somebody who comes, I'm now somebody who, who is coming before somebody, you know? And so I'm always having to lead by example, always having to be that person who, if I have the knowledge um, that I need to share with others. So I'm just constantly trying to equip myself for being somebody who can not only be um, an entertainer, but also be somebody who can be a teacher at some point in my life. She's a genius, you guys. She really is. If you've listened at all in this interview, you have learned that she's a genius. And we also want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to our ad sponsor of this program today, or today's episode, I Am A Genius. Again, I Am A Genius is the ad sponsor for this episode. This month, we're celebrating Women's History Month. Who is one woman or women that have significant influenced your life um there are a lot of women in the world (laughs) and uh but honestly you know me and my mom have a a very interesting relationship and so even with all that we have been through um she's always you know she's always been there for me and she was kind of the first woman that I seen do something big. And to me, it was big. You know, she was the first, she was the first, um, she was the first generation graduate from, you know, college. Uh, she ended up pursuing her master's. And because of her, I, I wanted to, when I was in, in middle school, I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, she's not a lawyer, but she's a social worker. And so that ended up being my minor in college. Um, but I've seen her kind of be a mother, um, work a full-time job, um, also do an internship while she was in school at the age of like 28. And so um, my mom had me when she was 19. So I was in college with her. Wow. And so Shout uh, out to your mom. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I I would say my mother uh, of all the women, yes. That's beautiful. Can it be better said, shout out to your mom for helping impact you in such a positive way and shaping you to be the woman you are today. And I'm very sure she's very proud of you and your accomplishments that you have been doing and have yet to do. Just like we mentioned, Myra Baraka Kill, you know, I can see you in the future, somebody having that same ambition in regards to having films or people linking and be like, man, Paige <laughs> wrote this, Chasing After You, but she's also the creator of all these other screens and projects. You have, you know, another project you're working on now, I believe it's a series or your next film, what is it, Meeting Boom? Yes. Um, the next project that I'm working on is the second 
So I've come up with a series called the God Move series. Um, it's a, it's three films, uh, two short films, and the next one that we're working on is the only feature film in the project. And so uh, Meeting Boone is it's a story about God, but from a, a way different perspective. One of my main, uh, one of the things that I always try to do is I want people to know that God is not just the savior of the church, but he's the savior of the world. And so he's everywhere mm-hmm. at all times. And so it's about a um, an ex-convict who gets out of jail and comes home to the death of his younger brother. And so um, he ends up, you know, meeting, he ends up meeting uh, his younger brother's friend who is is a younger female and they pretty much form a bond that leads to um to something in the future. Uh <laughs> as you gotta tune in yeah, and see so, hear that part. See that part. Yeah. So pretty much um it's just a story about love and loss though in the black community. Uh we don't a lot of times we don't really like to talk about how how loss affects us. And so um it covers that a huge amount right. in the film. We get to see pretty much how the death of so many people can can really weigh down on the mental health of, mm. you know, of people, wow. you know, the people that, you know, were in those people's lives. So Okay, the mental health stigma and being able to shed light on that. Yeah, and so it's it's really essentially this guy's journey of not kind of returning back to who he was before he was a convict. Um, due to him finding out why, I mean, due to him finding out the cause of his brother's death. Oh, wow. It sounds like it's going to be a goody, a very intriguing film. Again, that is called Meeting Boom. Meeting Boom. So keep a lookout for that. And we are very proud of the person you are as a human, first and foremost, but as an incredible young lady and woman in this Women's History Month. We lift you up. We celebrate your work, your focus, your dedication, and then just you paving the way in the art world. Is How can we offer support to you and the additional projects you're doing? Or just how can we support you and lift you up? Um, well, we'll be, for the project, we'll be putting out a, um, we'll be running a campaign to raise funds for the film. And so, uh more information on that will be on my website, uh, goldtelevision.net, www.goldtelevision.net, and pretty That's much... gold, G-O-L-D, television.net. Yep, and so pretty much um, you can follow me on social media at paypage, P-A-Y-P-A-I-G-E, um, or you can add me on Facebook at uh, Paige Austin. So um, more information will probably be on my website, though. And one of the biggest things that you could just do to support is share. You know, if you see, you know, me post something about the project or, you know, just share it. Help spread the word. Yeah, just spread the word. Get it Um, out there. It's greatly appreciated. Absolutely. So if you have not checked it out yet, again, check out Chasing After You. It is available on Amazon Prime. Go ahead, spread the word about that. Check it out. If you don't have a Prime membership account, go ahead and sign up on Amazon. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of videos. But anyhow, 
Amazon is not paying for it, adding it. So we going <laughs> to focus more on We're going to go back into it. But no, real talk, um, it is really helpful that they are supporting individuals in their projects and entrepreneurs in different realms. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that helps a lot of additional like filmmakers, as you see, like even like on Netflix and a yeah. lot of different films where they're just featured on these online platforms. Yeah. Um, that's a whole new thing. Whole nother thing. Be, yeah. Right. Whole nother thing. We're going to have to have you come back and we're going to have to talk about it. But as we wrap up again, follow Paige Austin. She's doing an incredible work. You heard her first here on She's a Genius podcast talking about her up and coming films as well as getting in and transparent in regards to just who she is as an individual and celebration of Women's History Month. Find her on Facebook page Austin as well as on Instagram pay page. Check her out. As we wrap up, I have one last good question for you, Paige. Mm -hmm. What is art to you? That's a refreshing question. Uh, (laughs) um, Art to me is just simply being able to express yourself um, or it's being able to mimic something that has deeply impacted you. Uh, Art is being vulnerable. Um, Art is letting the rest of the world in. Uh, Art, art is for me, I mean, it's everything. It's I don't think we will have we will have a very bland world without art. Mm, you heard her. Art. And what I love about art is everybody has their own definition. Yes, it's very subjective. Yes. God moves. Yes, God moves. We have Paige Austin here. Thank you for listening in. Tune in next time for our next She's a Genius podcast. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city.